Show will get started here momentarily. Tommy joining me on a Sports Fix Tuesday. Real quickly, mybookie.ag. They are up and running and they are taking sports bets, at least for the time being. Uh, baseball's up. Futures are out there for the NFL. Um, if you've been waiting since March to bet on sports and you're looking for a legitimate shop to bet through, a place that's going to offer you fair lines, fair prices, and you'll get paid when you win, mybookie.ag is that place. You bet, you win, and they'll pay. If you're feeling good about you know, an NFL futures bet, um, they've got all of the odds. They've got MVP odds. They've got Defensive Rookie of the Year odds. Chase Young is a prohibitive favorite to win Defensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL uh, this year. If you join today, my bookie is going to double your deposit. That's a dollar-for-dollar match. Plus, if you sign up now, they'll also toss in a free $10 MLB future wager. I know what Tommy would wager on. More on that coming up. But all you got to do is enter my promo code, KevinDC, to claim that free $10 MLB future wager when you sign up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, and they pay. You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. That's right, a Sports Fix Tuesday here uh, with Tommy by phone. Aaron somewhere out in the uh, in the netherworld, and I am right here in our studio feeling great today. You know what, Tommy, last night, can I just tell you a quick story? Absolutely. I didn't feel well last night, and I actually started to get a little bit of anxiety that maybe I was coming down with some symptoms. First of all, I went to my dermatologist yesterday. Uh, I do a one-year dermatology appointment. You know, skin cancer is one of those things, like you should go to the dermatologist once a year, if not twice a year, just to get a checkup, because that is the most preventable and treatable as long as you catch it early. And so I hadn't been in over a year, and part of that was because of the pandemic. So I went yesterday, and they took my temperature when I walked in there, and my temperature was 99 and a half. Now, they didn't stop me from coming in, but that is a low-grade fever, is it not? Yes, I believe it is. I think it is, too. I immediately said to the woman... I think that's high because we have one of those thermal scanners in this office space and occasionally I'll, I'll walk by it and I walked by it two days ago and I was like 97.7 or something like that, which, you know, there's a new normal on, it's no longer 98.6 is the normal. It's actually less than that. But anyway, they let me go in and I got my checkup and I actually had something cut out of my upper forehead, um, which, you know, I've, I've had these things before. And um, I don't think it'll be anything serious, knock on wood. But anyway, I got home last night, and I was like, I wonder if I do have a fever. I feel a little feverish. <laughs> and I took some Tylenol, and I you know, was drinking some water, and I ate some dinner. I, there was like some tuna in there, and, and uh, so I didn't have a big dinner. And I went to bed early. I mean, I, and literally, when I say early, it was the fifth inning of the Nats game. It was 4-1. to one. It was like 8 o'clock. And that was it. Next thing I know, it was 4 a.m. So 
I, and I felt great when I woke up this morning, but I think I was just in need of some sleep. Um, and, uh, and I got it and I feel great today. I feel great today, but you know, there is, I mean, how many times have you felt, I don't feel that well, but you don't give it a second thought, but now you give it a second thought like, well, do I have shortness of breath? Do do I have fever? Do I have a dry cough? I have, I, I actually have had a cough. It's not a dry cough. It's more of an allergy cough. But anyway, I'm fine and I'm feeling great today. Meantime, you survived where you live, a major fire in a building nearby. Will you share that with us, please? Uh, about quarter to five Sunday morning, uh, my wife wakes me up. She says, Tom, there's no- someone knocking on our door. And I said, what time is it? She told me. I said, well, that can't be good. Don't answer it. <laughs> is that what you said, really? Yeah. Yeah. But they kept knocking. So I went and, and answered it, and it was our neighbor in our condo building. There's about 12 condos in our building where we are, four on on each floor for three floors. And uh, they said, uh, the building next door is on fire. Uh, you might want to get up and get out in case they start having to water down the building here. Uh, and so we, we walked around to our balcony and went outside, and whoa, there's, there's fire trucks everywhere, flames shooting out of the building right next door to us. And I'm sitting there thinking, how did we sleep through this? Yeah. How could we possibly not know what was going on? It was, it was a circus out there. So we got dressed uh, quickly, and we went outside, and, you know, it never did the ashes or anything, never did go to our building, but one of the buildings next door on the other side of that building did sustain some damage, uh, and the whole third floor of the building was, was burnt. Uh, nobody was hurt. Everybody got out safely, uh, and I don't know how it started. But uh, it was quite a Sunday morning scene to wake up to. You sent me a picture. I'm looking at it right now. That's a real fire. Oh, it was it was a two alarm fire. There were two fire departments there. Uh, it was it was the real deal. Uh, a- absolutely, it was pretty scary looking. Who's uh, who's the guy? In, who's the guy in the picture that you sent me? What guy? There's a guy standing up on the right hand side looking at the fire. Oh, I have no idea. That's from a newspaper story. Oh, that picture. Okay. I mean, that was. I mean, I could send you one that we took too, but that was the best. That that's the picture illustrates. And so, no, it, it takes a while went. to determine cause. Yeah, but but there was no initial feeling as to what the cause was. Or no, I mean, there's neighborhood gossip, and in What's order the to gossip? get that, you have. Well, you'd have to talk to neighbors in order to get that, and I just don't do that. I was going to talk to neighbors. I actually, I, uh, when you mentioned that someone was knocking on your, on your door at 5 a.m. in the morning and it was your neighbor, do you even know your neighbor? Uh, Liz does. <laughs> yeah, you're just, I bet That counts. That counts. You're not a neighbor person. You're not. You're, no, I'm not. No, you're not. You're not no, going to. No, not. Not unless they can help me somehow. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. Unless there's somebody like really interesting, but you don't give it enough time to even find out if somebody no. is. Yeah. Um, God, no, I'm kind of obliv- oblivious to it. Well, you're aloof too. Um, there's an aloofness to you. Uh, aloof. That's rich. So four more Marlins tested positive today, so we're at 17. The game's been postponed tonight. They postponed it last night. They postponed it today. Rob Manfred said um, in his statement uh, yesterday, that, and it was not a very alarmed statement on the subject, he said he does not believe this is a disastrous situation. I think that was the quote. Um, something to that effect. Actually, I've got the quote. nightmare. It, it nightmare. was not a nightmare. Yeah, night, yeah, I've got it right here. Yeah, it was. He said, "Quote: We built protocols anticipating that we would have positive tests at some point during the season. The protocols were built to allow us to play through those positives. We believe the protocols are adequate to keep our players safe. I don't put this in the nightmare category." Closed quote. You do. Oh know. well. No, the nightmare is coming. This is a bad dream. This is, a, this is July, mm-hmm. okay? Let me read to you what the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation reported recently. Deaths nationwide are predicted to remain fairly level through August and begin to rise again around the fourth week of August with a more pronounced increase during September, although some states will see the increase earlier due to increased mobility and relaxation of social distancing mandates. This second wave, this is this is July. This was supposed to be the downtime. Mm-hmm. Right. You no, know, September, so, October. This was supposed I to mean, be that. So why why are you know all of the a lot of these projected um, <clears throat> projected numbers on this virus have been off a little bit. So why are you so convinced about? August, September, and into the fall. Because there has not been any real, uh, among uh, experts who are credible, there has not been any uh, difference of opinion that there is a second wave coming. Mm. And and the second wave is going to be coming in the fall and the winter, but, but the fall is when it's going to start. Well, the first wave was supposed to die out with the heat initially. Right. Right. Right, and, and it has So they're wrong about that. Point. This, is, this is July. Mm-hmm. I mean, in September, if they get to September, that's when the nightmare scenarios are going to... It's just as inevitable. I don't understand how anyone didn't think this was going to happen when you start traveling around the, the, uh, the country, even if it's a small part of the country, come into contact with different people who have come into contact with other different people. Are the Marlins still in Philadelphia? I don't know. I don't know if they are or not. I know the Yankees. How many? How many of these seventeen people have been hospitalized and or are sick? I don't know. I don't think any have been hospitalized. Right. Are any of them sick? Are any of them symptomatic? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they are or. I mean, not. this is sort of an important thing, right? As we. As we go through inevitable positive tests, now, this is an outbreak, clearly, of infection. This is an infection outbreak. Um, I'm reading through the, the, the latest story. There's no reporting on how many of these 17 people are symptomatic, how many of these 17 people are sick, 
how many of these 17 people are seriously sick. I think that's important information, don't you? Uh, it wouldn't change my opinion about wanting to be in contact with these people. I didn't say Not that. Not one bit. I didn't say that. I'm, well, I'm, that's the, oh, that would be your only concern. If, if, if you're, at, at this point, if, if you're concerned with your own health, you don't particularly care if they're sick or not. Well, I thought you were they speaking about yourself. You I thought sick. you were speaking about yourself and your age no, and your underlying any, conditions. I'm talking about any any player uh, who, who's playing Major League Baseball or their family members. Well, that's precisely that why I think that the, the information about how many of these people are symptomatic, how many of them have actually gotten sick, is important. Because, look, I I, I agree with you. It's... The last couple of weeks haven't been promising. Um, the information isn't encouraging. It's not improving. We're in day. We're on day four or five of this baseball season, and we've had a major outbreak of positive cases. A major outbreak of positive cases on a team, and that has shut down two games already for them, which is already leading to you know a snowball effect where the Yankees were coming into the Marlins locker room right in Philadelphia, and so they had to have their game postponed. And you can see the snowball effect of games getting canceled, the integrity of the competitive portion of these games being compromised, ending up with an unfair competitive season if you even get to a season. But just right now, in the moment, like, I, I want to know what this means. You know, does this mean that other people are going to test positive? Or does this mean that they come in contact with them, the teams that they play, the teams that they're scheduled to play? Or does this mean that they're going to test positive and get sick? Those are two different things. But I don't understand. What, what, would, what difference would it make to you if you came in contact with a person who wasn't sick who tested positive. It would make would a make difference to me, but it wouldn't make a difference potentially to a 24-year-old healthy with no underlying sicknesses person. Oh, I think it would make where a there's tremendous a, difference. Where there's an expectation that eventually they're going to test positive, but they're not going to get sick. Oh, then, uh, look, it. they test positive, they're going home. They're done. I understand what the protocol is now. No, I'm talking about not their protocol. I'm talking about for most of these players, if they test positive, a lot of them are going home. You know what, Tommy? You've said that from the beginning, and this is the thing that you are dead right on. This is the thing that actually threatens the shutdown of these games and these seasons, maybe even more than the threat of sickness does. And I say sickness, not positive tests. And that is the fear. The fear yes. uh, the fear of the players not only themselves testing positive and potentially getting sick, even though the odds seem stacked very much against it, but the threat that it would pose to the people that are in their lives and that they love in their homes and around them. This is the real threat. I don't know that the positive tests aren't the real threat. I'm just asking a question about, or I'm very curious about these 17 people, especially the players, the younger players, 
I'm curious as to what happens. Are, are they all asymptomatic? Are they all, you know, slightly symptomatic? Have any of them really gotten sick? Because in the bubble sports, take hockey in the NBA, you know, if they aren't going back to their homes and they're not putting their loved ones at risk and nobody's getting sick even though they're testing positive, although the hockey thing, I think it was like their last uh, group of testing for the two bubble cities was like zero positive tests. Um, well, where, where are the two bubble cities? Uh, Toronto and Vancouver, right? That's a different country, isn't yeah, it? I think it is. Yes. Okay. I actually thought you were okay. asking me because you really didn't know where the two cities were. No. Um, no. But I, 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 I just look. I mean, the, the, this. You're, you're right about the fear factor. The fear factor. No, you were right about it, the fear factor. I'm giving know, you credit for being right about the fear factor. But I just wonder why. Uh, you know, if no one gets sick, but there's just a lot of positive tests. You know, we have to. We may have to advance to the point where these players, unless they have somebody at home that's at risk, just understand. Hey, I'm going to test positive, but I'm not going to get sick. Oh, that 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 you can't ask somebody to do that. Why? Because you don't know they're not going to get sick. You, you well, I don't know that yet, and you don't know Nobody that yet. Knows but that's why I'd like it. to get you the data on of, it. You don't know what kind of damage. This could be causing in, in, within your body, even if you are asymptomatic. You know what I do know, Tommy? A hell of a lot of people for several months now who don't make anywhere near the money they make have been working six, five, six, seven days a week and coming home to their families and so trying to follow basic rules, which are wearing a mask and social distancing. And, you know, it hasn't, I understand the number of deaths. I do. And I'm not advocating that everybody in every single situation just go for it and 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 play the odds. And the odds are basically in everybody's favor that they're not going to get seriously sick or, or die. But with this particular thing, I just I don't personally want to say it's all over. Like many people were, Boz basically wrote, it's over, shut it all down. Other people are saying, all right, let's focus on real life matters. Sports are a diversion. They're an extra when we have a functioning society. Um, I just would like to know whether or not these people are actually going to get sick or not, because right now it doesn't appear as if they are. Well, to me, that, that doesn't make any difference. Uh, and I think these got people, I think this was an arrogant an ignorant exercise, and it's going to prove to be the NBA, may, the NHL may really get away with it because they went to another country, and they may be able to pull this off. Well, they I came mean, from the this problem, country. I know, but part of the problem is that, uh, you know, baseball came up with the 113-page, you know, manual mm-hmm. on how to deal with this, and they operate in a country where the manual from the White House was a mad magazine issue. And the guy running it says, what, me worry? That's part of the problem. What, what was the phone call that took place in April between the president and the, oh, and the four commissioners? It would have been great. What to, was that about? would have been great to listen, to hear it now. I mean, what, what, did, he, did he go over his cognitive test score with them? God, I mean, didn't he do a great job of remembering all those things 30 minutes later? He, he did better than me. How's that? <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt he would have done better than you. 
Um, but uh, I mean, but that's that's also part of the problem. They're trying to operate the best they can when they're living in in, in a society where you know there's so many people just convinced that this is some kind of government conspiracy to kill them. Oh God, it is. It is a you know. It's a very unique uh, situation when you have 335 million people in 50 states where a lot of these states are like different countries. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We have a lot of we have a lot of cultural and personality differences in this country. Yes. And and, I mean, when it comes to health, one of the basic things, the most basic thing is, is your health. I mean, money doesn't matter, really, if you're if you're if like, you know. Jack Kent Cook thought he had enough money that he could live forever, and he didn't. So uh, I just, I just, what did that? What, I what does that mean? Just an exercise. Well, my <laughs> point is, I mean, he—that was what he used to say. He, he was convinced oh. that he he was too rich to die. <laughs> was he? I don't remember that. Yes, yes. Mm. So, and, and I'm sure there's other people like that as well. But I just think this is. You know, like I said, the NBA may have a better sh- – I think not traveling gives those sports a better chance at it. But, again, I think the fear factor once and, and the fatigue factor of living in this bubble for a couple of months for, for uh, young, pe- young uh, NBA players who may have a difficult time with that kind of discipline, I think it's going to do in the NBA as well. But um, football, football, the NFL, you know – they were painting. I, I somebody posted, I guess at, at FedEx Field, or, or they were painting Black Lives Matter in in the end zone. Uh, somebody said, I said in four weeks they'll be painting send doctors. Are they really painting Black Lives Matter in the end zones of, on NFL fields? Let me see if I, I can find that. To, I haven't to, uh, heard that. To reiterate I mean, that. So I um. So predict. Give me your prediction right now on all of these sports. I think baseball will be done by the before the beginning of September. I think football will be done by the uh, by the end of October. I'm not going to go in on the NBA or the NHL. I I suspect. I still think the NBA will will collapse. Uh, but they have all they've got to do is get through their playoffs. You know, it's just sort of like the NHL. Those two don't have to go through a season. They have to go through the playoffs. No, but, but it's, t- it's two plus months. We know how long yeah, these playoffs right. take. You're right. Uh, I, I think I don't think football's going to finish the season. I don't think baseball's certainly going to finish the season. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know how anybody does. Every week, although the last couple of weeks have been pretty consistent with being more, I guess, pessimistic than optimistic. And you're seeing today some football players opt out. These The, the NFL, and I mentioned this yesterday, Tommy, but... Um, I'll mention it with you. You know, the NFL's players and owners had a much more collaborative, um, you know, effort in getting things agreed to than baseball and its players. Uh, And we saw everything agreed to. And one of the things that 
uh, essentially the NFL allows is for a player to opt out. They'll get if they don't have any legitimate health risks, they'll get a hundred and fifty thousand dollar stipend, which will be taken out of a future salary. If you have an underlying health risk, you're going to get a three hundred thousand dollar stipend, and it won't be taken out of future salary. We're seeing some players opt out today. It's still just a few as training camps get underway, if you even right. want to call them training camps. Um, I don't. I, I just I have no idea what this is going to look like a month from now. I still believe that meds, the therapeutic answer, would change everything if we came up with you know, remdesivir or some combination of whatever that, you know, everybody was sold, kept you from getting seriously ill, but we're not, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And I Okay, do- let me just make this clear. Uh, Jason Reed reported that during the NFL's kickoff week, the, the league is going to have social justice messages painting in the end zone. Border. Oh, for the kickoff Not week. necessarily Black Lives Matter. Got it. Uh, you know, messages like it takes all of us and end racism right. and things like that. Um, so that that's, that's the report. So I, I do think, though, that this Marlins thing happening, like I'm just I'm thinking through this right now with you because I didn't spend a lot of time. Uh, I spent some time on this this morning. But I do think that how these people progress, like whether or not you know they get sick, whether or not they're symptomatic, how quickly they're back into the fold, will be um, at the very least an interesting learning experience. And it may be, I don't want to say predictive, but it will be one of those things that could give people a different outlook in a few days. If if these people get two quick t- uh, negative tests, they were asymptomatic, nobody got sick, everybody's back on the field, they're doing the right thing, don't get me wrong, by postponing these games. But I'd like to see how the Marlins case plays out. This is an outbreak. This is one of those things they didn't necessarily, even though Manfred said we had protocols in place with expanded rosters, etc., your, your plan for a major outbreak where you lose half your team is not, you know, isn't like they're not designed to handle that right now. Clearly they're not because they canceled two back-to-back games. They postponed them. They didn't set in, send in the rest of the roster that, that was, that was uh, negative. Um, you know, I think you're going to see the Marlins taken out of commission for 14 days. Well, this speaks to something else that uh, I talked about yesterday, and you just have to be prepared for this as a sports fan. If if you believe that these seasons have a chance of starting and finishing, you are going to have competitive unfairness to all of these cities. Now, the bubble cities for hockey and basketball seem to be a little bit different, and we'll see um, uh, because uh, who knows? I mean, you could still have a major outbreak. But you're going to have... Uh, a mate. I mean, right now it's very possible that the Marlins won't be able to make these games up against the Orioles, and the Orioles and the Marlins will have two less games played than everybody else. And and in the NFL, it's it's very possible if somehow you got through a 16 game regular season that some teams had a major outbreak and had to forfeit two games and played two less games than everybody else. That's possible. But you're just going to have to deal with it because it's an oddball year, and there's going to be there's going to be some unfairness to it. 
competitively. Yes, I would agree with that. I have no idea how to be predict a lot of the future on this one. I have no idea. The only thing that seems like it's certainly becoming um, a given is that high school sports are pretty much done in the fall. Um, the WCAC, you know, one of the best high school basketball and football conferences in the country, they've called off football until at least January 1. Montgomery County last week uh, canceled football and basketball season. They canceled basketball season in July, um, which seemed to be a bit premature from my standpoint, but whatever. Well, you see, you see what the smart people did at Google. What did they do? Google announced that they're keeping their employees home through the end of next summer. Yeah, that that's a little bit different. You know, when you're at home, but, you're but still it, working. It, it, you know? I know that, but yeah. it's an indication of what smart people, again, you know. But it, they have it, that option. They can continue to work from home. Their, their business isn't being shut down. I know that, but, but, but they're saying to them, you know, you can stay home for this long. Right. I mean, they're, they're telling them that because they don't think it'll be safe well, to come back to work until the summer of 2021. Well, look, Tommy, in, in some cases, some of these businesses are realizing that they don't need offices and real estate and, 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 a, and a huge expense line um, to be able to operate their businesses. This is a trend in terms of teleworking that was already you know, beginning to happen that's going to be accelerated because it's going to be cost-beneficial to accelerate it. And I'm not saying funny. that they... One, 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 that, one that the Trump administration was pushing against, I might point out. Uh, teleworking? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, because the whole idea of all these employees must be getting away with something when they're, when they're working at home. Well, I... I well, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think that it is a different output from home than it would be in an office. I think anybody who's ever worked in an office versus working from home realizes that. Yeah, it depends on what your job is. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're if if you're a podcaster or a radio <laughs> talk show host or a columnist, you really don't need an office for that. No. And in fact, you can be much more productive without one. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. By the way, real quickly on the Nats, one and three start. Um, the um, uh, you know you've you've got you've got some issues there with. Uh, first of all, Anthony Rendon hasn't played yet in in Los Angeles. He has not. I don't think he played last night. He had he didn't play in the first three games. Because he was uh, on the injured list, um, I'm I'm watching every night. I I didn't see last night the box score. Did the Angels play last night? Did he play last night? Nope, still hasn't played yet. Um, but uh, rough start for the Nats so far. Long way to go. I mean, another 56 games, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Or though, or though I mean, everybody... you think it'll be done before then? Yeah, I do. But even if they manage to get to the finish line, uh, everybody makes the playoffs now in baseball. Sixteen teams. They did. Yeah, they did approve it. Ten to sixteen. Yeah, I, so. could be exciting. Yes, it could. Can we just talk about one thing here? Like, what if? And it's very possible. What if baseball ends at the end of next month and football doesn't make it past October, or or before then, and 
and you just don't have sports in 2020. What what, what is the result of that? What are the ramifications? I haven't, to that? I haven't, haven't. Well, this. I mean, in, financially, you could speak to that more than I can. I mean, for baseball, it'd be the worst case scenario because, for all intents and purposes, you would have played. Uh, you would have gone a year and a half, except for this blip that turns out to be an embarrassing situation for you, a year and a half without your game. Football, if, if it happens that way too, you would have played, gone a long time without football as well. I don't think it'll have a big impact financially. I think people are always going to be starved for football. Uh, I mean, I think socially, as as a society, I think a lot of people have learned to live without it already. They like it, but it's it's not part of their oxygen. They don't need it to breathe. Yeah. I mean, the economy needs it more yes. than maybe people do um, yes. from, a, from a mental standpoint. Although I do think, and I've mentioned this many times, that the routine and the habit and the the rhythm of football season that's when it will become very apparent that our world has changed in a significant way for a lot of people and it it crosses over right I mean it crosses over into every single demographic the NFL does and football does college football does and it's popular in every portion of this country and to not have it as part of your fall into winter routine will, you know, lend a level of seriousness to this situation that maybe some didn't really feel um, until then. I'm not saying that that's not that doesn't go for everybody, clearly, but it will have economic impact. This isn't going to be one of those, oh, 1944 and 45, there wasn't sports played because of the war. Um, so be it. I mean, sports didn't have the same economic impact on the country back then that it does now. So there will, right. the, I mean, there are so many businesses that will be negatively impacted by um, sports not being played. I mean, so many businesses that rely solely on these sports being played and small businesses, many small businesses, as we've seen, you know, whether it's in the hospitality industry, a lot, a lot of service businesses, you know, it's, they've been crushed over the last five to six months and no sports will continue that trend. And there will be new businesses because of the new world we're living in that will thrive and grow. But those associated and reliant on sports, and there are many of them, um, it'll be devastating. It'll be very devastating yes, to our business. Yes. Yes, it will. To go that long without sports, I think, I think, uh, people, I think people in our business are looking to the football season as a life preserver. And if that life preserver punch gets a hole punched in it, it's going to be pretty bad. I agree. Um, quick word about Roman. If you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe actually on average? 
People have to wait nearly a month to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that connects you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone, computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides treatment's right for you, Roman's pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you've got questions or just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com and use my promo code for GetRoman.com. It's Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, and you'll get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com, promo code Sheehan, for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, we'll get to um, Alex Smith and what uh, Ron Rivera said just a little while ago about Alex Smith here in a moment. I also want to get to something that Ron Rivera told Ben Standig of The Athletic in an interview that he had with him yesterday. But you wanted to ask me a question that had nothing to do with either one of those two things. What was it? Right, and this popped into my head from you know listening to uh, the read that, that you, you just did for the podcast. Uh, On ED? Yes, yes, this popped into my head. It just it that. just popped right into your head. Yes, it did, so to speak. Or <laughs> did your head uh, pop on that news? <laughs> <laughs> that when, was ridiculous. Uh, when, I'm not interested when you, either. When you go to the doctor, do you see a doctor? When I go to the doctor, do I see a doctor? I did yesterday. I went to the dermatologist. I saw Doctor Jaffe over there in Bethesda. He's a big fan of the podcast. Saw well, that's him. probably only because that's the only reason he probably sees you. Why? Otherwise, you'd be seeing what has been called a physician's assistant now. This is who we see most of the time when you go for a doctor's visit. You don't really see the doctor. You Are you saying because assistant. of the pandemic? No, 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 no. This is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a change in the medical industry where you have people now were designated as almost a doctor, but not quite. That hasn't you know, happened. Step, with, that step, hasn't happened with me. You, you sure you, you pay attention from now on when you go to a doctor, and, and just see who is seeing you. You know, uh, if it's a real doctor or, or a physician, because they don't always tell you. You know, they don't always tell you. But this is this is a phenomenon. And it, it's it's part of it is I know I guess to hold down costs to cheap out however you want to call it, but this is this is a change from from years ago. There were nurses and there were doctors before. Now there's nurses, physicians assistants, and then doctors. Do you go? Do you go? Don't go to medical school. I mean, they they have training, and they make a pretty good buck. It's a, it's a pretty lucrative job. But uh, they're not doctors. But do you... they act like doctors, and they treat you like doctors. <laughs> well, do you have a problem with it? Well, I have questions about it. I just wonder how safe it is. Uh, I've, I've never had an issue with it, per se. But the fact is, if you took your car to, uh, to get fixed by a mechanic, 
and the guy fixing it is almost a mechanic, that would kind of bother you a little bit. Well, it, it would bo- like- it'd bother me much more if they were working on my body instead of my vehicle. But I Well, there I, you go. But I that, am curious. I, mean. I am curious if the person that stuck the needle into your eye a couple of weeks ago was an assistant or the actual uh, oh, the, ophthalmologist. That was the doctor. Okay. That was, that was the. That was the, he, you know, He's a pretty hands-on guy. That was him. But, <laughs> but, uh, but for the most part, uh, a lot of times I see physicians' assistants now. Do, I don't you, see do you go mostly to in-network doctors based on your insurance policy, like all in-network? So you don't even really know who you're going to. You don't have a consistent person you go to, or not? No, I have a I have consistent doctors. I mean, I have a pretty, I have very good medical coverage besides Medicare, which I have now, Kevin. Oh my God! I'm a Medicare recipient. Wow. Yes, I do. I, How old do you think I am? Well, but I, you know, it's funny because I think I was having this. Oh, I'll tell you why I was having this conversation the other day with my father-in-law. Um, I went to pick up a prescription for my mother, who broke her hip recently and um, needed a prescription. I think I told you about that. And do you know how much the prescription was when I got to the pharmacy? $0.69. I knew it was something like that. I've never (laughs) seen, I've seen the, you know, the co-pays of $3 or $5 or $10. I've never seen $0.69. So anyway, um, I dropped it off and and I was having a conversation with my father-in-law that night and I told him and he's like, well, I've never heard of $0.69. I've heard of a couple of bucks here and there. And then he started to tell me about, you know, Medicare benefits and he said, they're they're unbelievable. He said, your mother, me, I mean, we're getting incredible benefits from Medicare and pay hardly anything for prescription drugs. Yeah, it's a pretty good deal. Now, it doesn't cover everything. As you know from all the commercials you see on TV about Medicare supplement plans, mm-hmm. you have to have a backup net to basically cover the stuff that Medicare doesn't cover. And since Liz was a federal employee, we still have that even though she's retired. So we have a very good uh, medical insurance in addition to Medicare. So I see regular doctors. I don't just have to go to whoever my insurance company is. Why are we doing this? Why are we talking well, about this? I, I, because I think uh, that the whole physician's assistant movement is a bit troubling, and I think it needs to be examined. I mean, because you're not seeing a doctor. Sounds like a column for East Strasburg to 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 get after. <laughs> I, I I'm trying I, honestly. I can't. I'm sure I have seen a physician's assistant at some point. I, I just can't remember um, seeing one recently, but I'm sure I have. Uh, when I went but in to see they're the not der- doctors. when I went in to see the dermatologist yesterday, there was an assistant. Now I have no idea if she's a dermatologist or a physician's assistant. She was a part of the examination, and by the way, she had the same bir- she had the same birthday as me. Um, but anyway, uh, can we can we talk about things that the, the, our audience here more likely than not is more interested in than physicians' assistant discussion? Listen, our already our audience. <laughs> Cares about me. No, that that's way too presumptuous. <laughs> they they don't mind some let's, of this. Let's get to let's get let's get to Alex Smith as the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. <laughs> so um, this morning on the uh, the press conference that uh, Ron Rivera or the Zoom conference call that Ron Rivera held with local reporters, he did say that Alex Smith did not pass 
the football physical. They put him on the physically unable to perform list, the pup list, and he said that they want to see more football movement, football types of movement, before they can clear him. Uh, said the same thing about Reuben Foster uh, as well. Um, but I did, th- you know, I it was sort of unclear yesterday as to whether or not he had cleared that he had passed it or didn't. They just put him on the pup list. It's funny, Tommy, because the insurance policy that the Redskins took out, which you know isn't that unusual anymore on a high-priced, big-contract quarterback in particular, they took out a policy that will has a benefit of, I think, between 10 and $12 million if there's a catastrophic career-ending injury. But the thing that triggers it is not passing a physical before you know the physical that he had to take yesterday and he didn't pass it now they didn't say retire or cut him they put him on the pup list to give him more time um but um i don't know i don't i don't think that that alex smith is ever going to take a snap again i i guess he did say um this morning about alex smith that if he does pass a physical down the road, then, it, quote, he becomes part of the equation, closed quote. He said that on the on the conference call or the Zoom call this morning. I just don't see it. I don't think Alex Smith ever takes a snap on an NFL field unless it's a ceremonial one, which I don't need to see. Okay. I, I don't think he's going to be able to play. And I don't – I mean, my own personal view is, is if you care about Alex Smith, you know – you know, hopefully he just, you know, takes, goes home and spends time with his family and doesn't put himself at risk right. again on a football field after what we saw. But my point, which I made on Twitter the other night, and people, you know, uh, you know, Washington football team fans seem to have a hard time to come to grips with it, is if he, pa- if he jumps through all the hoops, passes all the gates, and is on that football field, practicing alongside Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen. Alex Smith is your starting quarterback. Oh, come on. Of course he is. Come on. You can't know football and not realize that. I know football. In what planet? In what planet? It's the owner's planet. Dwayne Haskins. Who's good buddies with the owner? I'm saying that it it could be, and I don't want this I don't want it to manifest itself in this way, but it could be, look, Alex is getting healthier. This is so good for him. He's a great presence in the locker room, and he can go through practice, and he'll be great for Dwayne. But I don't think, and I and I, I could see the owner making the case for that, and Ron going in on it because, but look, having Alex Smith around is not a bad thing in terms of, you know, his experience, you're, you're his mentorship. He's not starting a game if he's there you're practicing. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. Do you really think that Dwayne Haskins can beat out Alex Smith in a competition if they're if everything's equal? Yes. Oh, come on. Based on what? Well, Based on what? What has Dwayne Explain to me, to explain to me all you? things being equal. In other words, Alex Smith is healthy. 100% healthy. Well, can play. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins. Okay? He can play. Yeah. Has how, him... how can he possibly lose a job 
to Dwayne Haskins. That's absurd. No, it's not. <laughs> it <laughs> well, I love it's when you absurd. get this way. Um, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's not absurd. Alex Smith is going to be 37 years old. Um, he can't be he can't equally be healthy. No, let me ask you a question. One more time. Answer it honestly. Everything equal. Wayne Haskins beats out Alex Smith? Yes. Well, that's ridiculous. Why? I mean, what do you, because you're basing that on a pipe dream. What has Wayne Haskins shown you to indicate that he can beat out a 13-year NFL veteran? What did Alex Smith show you in 2018 that convinces you he could beat out anybody? Playing in a bad offense, mm-hmm. playing in the wrong offense for a coach who, who, who uh, he, he still went six and three. Mm-hmm. He still went six and three. I know. He wasn't very good, though. No, he, no, was. he wasn't. Okay. But you know what? What did Dwayne Haskins do last year? What, what planet are you on to think that this guy, what has he done? What has he done? Uh, well, I'll tell you what he did. Um, in, in his in his eight starts, it was eight, right? It ended up being eight last year. Thank God we saw him, by the way. He proved to me several things. He proved to me, number one, uh, he's competitive as hell. Um, he's much more mobile than I ever thought uh, he was. Uh, he has great timing and and can throw the ball with anticipation, which is innate. It's harder to teach. He has very good feel in the pocket. He plays with a level of urgency. He play, played well with the game on the line. And in his final game and a half, he threw for 394 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, with a 75% completion percentage, um, and got sacked the fewest number of times in all of his starts. So the arrow was clearly pointing upwards towards the end there. Uh, and by the way, if and I'm not buying into all this stuff. I want to see it on the field. But he appears to be, based on all of the pictures he tweets out of himself and videos he tweets out of himself, to be in phenomenal condition. And... The future of this organization is Dwayne Haskins Jr. And Dwayne Haskins and the and this football team this year, the Washington football team, isn't going to the Super Bowl, and it's a critical year for them to determine whether or not he's the guy or not. He wins the job, beats out anybody that beats out everybody that he faces, and we never see Alex Smith on the field taking a snap for the Redskins unless Dan Snyder forces some sort of ceremonial, you know, kneel down play at the end of a game. He wins the job based on he's the future. No, That's what he went saying. No, do you well did you miss the first, you know, yeah, yeah, 2 minutes no, of what I said? Yeah, I no, I I just I just caught the last ridiculous. Well, part well of listen it. to the first part because the first part I know. See, is I, the f- I I I've listened, Kevin. I've listened to the first part. Well, you, but you just on focused on the last net. part. As if it was I the only it, thing I, I said. It. I see it and hear it on the Haskins network all the time. <laughs> what are you talking? Who's got the Haskins network? Oh, you know who has the Haskins network. I don't actually. Who are you? Oh, oh, come oh, on. Okay. Uh, who are, you, are you referring to NBC Sports Washington again? I believe I am. Okay. Um, I, you know this going back to last year. I like him so much more than I thought I was going to like him. As a player, as a competitor, as a guy that appears to be very coachable, 
I don't. Th- I absolutely believe he could beat a 36-year-old veteran quarterback out, given everything and all of the context around it. Yes, I do. Well, that's ridiculous. I Why? Can't believe- I- how can you claim to know? How do you know? What makes you think Alex he- Smith can beat out Dwayne Haskins at 36 because- years old? Based on what? Because because Alex Smith knows how to play in the NFL. Uh-huh. He knows how to find receivers. Oh, really? Wait, yes. At 36, you think he's going to be finding all those receivers that he found when he was 33, 32, 31? Did he no, look? But I think he, you I just think admitted he wasn't more. very good when he was healthy. I think he's going to find more than a kid who barely got his feet wet. He's got less talent year. around him than he did in 2018 this coming season. And that's why the kid with no experience it's not going to wind up winning that job if everything is equal. That's why the kid without all the experience but with some mobility and fight and health is going to win it out because look at what he did in those final you know, couple of games. He actually carried that team for the last game and a half. Kevin, that, that, that's, that's the head of a pin. Yeah, it's not a lot of data. No, it's not. But it's not stopping you from, from – not seeing the big picture. Well, it's such here. a ridiculous Again, picture anyway Smith... that you're painting because he's not going to be fully healthy. And th- all things are not going to be equal from a health standpoint. Okay, so it's... Well, that's different then. That's different. Well, I know it's different. It's also reality more than the reality okay. you're trying to paint so you can tell everybody how dumb they are for thinking that Dwayne Haskins would beat out Alex Smith if the 36-year-old came back and had a healthy leg after what we saw in that Project 11 where he had no leg left. I mean, that flesh-eating virus was going through that leg um, like a warm knife through butter. It was terrible. I it was that. grotesque. I know that. I know all that. My point is, that if he can play, he's the starting quarterback next year. Remember where you heard it. Okay, and just this remember season. where you heard this. He's not going to be able to play. And I believe I say that too. Okay, he's good. Not gonna so be able to this play. was a waste of a conversation because we both think he's no, never going to be in position no. to play anymore. It wasn't a waste of a conversation yep. because he's been cleared. Yep. He's passed through. One set of hurdles. Already. He did. He did not pass the team physical yesterday. No, he did not. Yeah, that's the that's the physical that matters. Right. Here's the other thing, real quickly, on Alex Smith. This is not the organization to put him back out on a football field, Tommy. The organization of bad medical, bad training, bad everything when it comes to health in recent I'm years. I'm not talking right, right or wrong. They're gonna. They're, can you imagine that if? He beat all odds and passed a team physical and was out there looking like, you know, uh, Kansas City Chiefs 2017 Alex Smith. And they were in McLaurin was a star, and he knew the offense better than anybody else. And Rivera said, oh, my God, Haskins, he's a disaster. Kyle Allen's no good. This is our best chance to win, even if that happened. Can you imagine just the cringeworthiness to that first time he drops back and is pressured? Of course. It would be horrible. And nobody needs to see that in this organization. Let If that's going to happen, it should happen somewhere else. <laughs> Think about it. Think about how – I mean, could they, could they overcome that if they were the ones to put him on the field and he were to get his leg crushed again and this time have it amputated? Or worse. 
How do they how do they survive that? that? Well, that was that was the Washington Redskins. This is the Washington (laughs) football team. (laughs) Yeah. This is a new era. This is the Ron Rivera era. Get on board, baby. I am I, I wouldn't call myself part of the Haskins network. And I don't even know if I believe that that's true about um, NBC Sports Washington. But anyway, I am very optimistic about Dwayne Haskins. You know I am. I was last year. There's a lot about the way he played last year that I was like, wow, that was impressive. There's a lot here that I think has a chance to flower into something really, really good. And the only, right now, see, here's the thing about Ron Rivera. There's no risk for Rivera starting Haskins this year to see what you've got in Haskins. He's not going to be blamed for Haskins if Haskins doesn't work out. And he's got to get to that answer on Haskins sooner rather than later. And this team isn't going to contend for anything in this upcoming season if there is one. Although, who knows, maybe they'll get to play every single team that has 12 guys on COVID-19, you know, sit down each week. But I, I just don't see any chance that anybody other than Dwayne Haskins, is, if he's healthy, starts games for the Redskins this year, for the uh, Washington football team this year. Okay. Let's say... I mean, you know, I mean, you just, you don't take into account different scenarios that could take place. If Alex Smith is healthy and is good and, like I anticipate, is clearly better than Dwayne Haskins in the limited amount of training camp that you're going to have available, which will also hold Haskins back, how are you going to say to those players who play on that team, we're going with the guy who didn't win the well, job. You just you just painted a completely different picture than the one you presented to me before, because you said he clearly beats him out. You didn't say that before. Well, you said all that, things that, being well, equal. Well, of course he's yeah. going to beat him out. Well, that's your that's all your opinion. That's your opinion. Um, you know, I was not very impressed with Alex Smith's 2018 nine and a half games played. Now, I, I, I've always liked Alex Smith, and I didn't hate the trade. I hated the contract extension, but I didn't hate the trade. And I always thought that Alex Smith was, you know, a serviceable mid-range starter in the NFL, knew that he had to have a running game, knew that he had to have weapons around him. He was not a carry-the-team-on-his-back kind of guy and wasn't that in Kansas City. But I just was – I saw a guy that just wasn't very good good or dynamic in 2018 that could have been a lot of Jay Gruden's fault I'll, I'll concede that and he's worked with Norv before so maybe Scott Turner but they, again what are we talking about here he's not going to play football and, I and, and he shouldn't play football alright I want to get to this probably should this is the, the thing that I um, really wanted to get to and I, I'm going to read through this because I'm assuming that you haven't read Ben Standig's interview with Ron Rivera from yesterday Right, I'm ass- I'm assuming that is that true? Why would you assume that? I because I don't even know if you're a subscriber to the Athletic. I am. You are. So did you read? Yes. Did you read Ben's interview with with Ron? I don't understand why you would you assume that. You know what happens when you assume, don't you? I do, and but you know more times than not when I assume, I don't make an ass out of either one of us. And I'm actually right, especially when it requires a subscription fee from you. 
Um, so you are a subscriber to the Athletic. Yes, that's a that's a surprise. Okay, so it's tax deductible. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> that's true. It is tax deductible for your line of work. Yes, it is. Um, I want to read this question and then the answer because there was a lot here that really. Um, made me feel even better about Ron Rivera, and I've already felt pretty good about him already. And I know that this is something that you're going to push back on to a certain degree, but let me read it quickly, as quickly as I can. Basically, the question, and I'll shorten the question, was a question that basically asked Ron Rivera, do you have any regrets about taking this job? (laughs) Which I think we've all discussed in recent weeks. Oh, my God, can you imagine... Like if he had a legitimate shot at the giant job, he and his wife saying, good God, how did we take this one? Well, here was his answer. He said, because this is where I want to be. I said that in my first press conference. I'll be honest with you. Maybe it's my own ego, but I really felt that that this is an organization that needed somebody to come in and lead. And I felt like I could do that. I could come in and lead this organization. And that's why I'm here, because I really do believe that. The second part of his answer, I like the young players. One of the things that really caught my attention, you guys heard me say this too, when you look at the depth chart board, look at the guys uh, when you go down that depth depth chart, that especially with the young defensive line, I like the players. I'm going to shorten this up because it was a nine-minute answer that he gave to Ben. Ben estimated it to be nine minutes. So he talks about the roster, and he said, it reminds me very much of when I first got to Carolina. It's young, but there's some veterans And I thought this was where I wanted to be. Then he said and referred to the team's history. He said, what happened this year, I've looked at it as it's just a part of what I'm doing. And one thing I'll always try to be true to is what I believe. Believe me, I've made mistakes. I've learned from those mistakes as a person, as a coach, as a husband, as a father. And when I make mistakes, I try to correct them. I try not to repeat them. There's a challenge here. And I really think that there's an opportunity to have success here. That's why I'm here. And also, one thing that excites me, this is an original franchise. It started in 1932. And then he goes through a list of players, Sonny Jerry. And Billy Kilmer and Chris Hamburger was one of his favorites. He said Charlie uh, Charlie Taylor's dad was in the military with his dad. So he goes, I understand the legacy, and I played at old RFK Stadium and felt the energy. So that's one of the things that draws me to this because I would love to see this happen here. I just think that there's so much possibility and promise. Then this next um, section. He, again, in answering the question, do you have any regrets about taking this job? This is, a part, this is a part, Tommy, that's really interesting. He said, Ben, it's guys like you and other local reporters that could help us. Write all the bad articles now. Get all the past out of the way. But as we start going forward, write about where we are and where we're going. Help push us forward. That's my message. I'm trying to tell everybody. I get it. There's some things that were totally effed up. And he says, okay, but let's stop telling everybody that everything's effed up and start saying to everybody, hey, look, look at what they're trying to do. Look at how they're trying to fix it. First and foremost, Mr. Snyder, Mr. Snyder knew he had a problem. And he made a decision in October, which was firing Jay Gruden, and then started researching what he had to do. And then I'll paraphrase the rest of it. He gets into the whole coach-centric thing that Dan had researched, and he came to the conclusion that he wanted to have a coach-centric system. 
And he said, like I said, starting in October, Dan made that initial initial move and then researched it. I talked to him and I said, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to work here. Um, and, and everything about the way he pitched it to me basically made sense. And here are the last two sections of it. I got a letter from somebody that doesn't know me that said, you took this job for the money. And I would say bullshit to that. You don't know me. How can you write that and say that? I get it. People have an opinion, but don't come at me if you don't know me because I really wanted the money. You don't think I would have pitted the Giants, Cleveland, Washington, and Dallas all against each other? No. I was enthusiastic about this job from the beginning, and this is where I am. This is where I think everybody needs to understand. I didn't come here for the money. I made a lot of money in Carolina. I could have sat out the year. I could have collected a very good paycheck, played a lot of golf, and got my handicap down. I just look at it this way and think to myself, this is an opportunity and that not too many things are going to dampen my spirit about this. I know it's going to be hard. Believe me, it's not all roses. It hasn't been all roses. There's been a lot of thorns, but that's a part of it. To get to the roses, you've got to go up on the stem. You've got to get past the thorns. So that's what I'm going to do. The biggest thing I tell everybody is to understand it's about culture, trying to build and develop a sustainable winning culture. I will do the best I can and hopefully in three, four, or five years because that's how long the military says it takes to change a culture. If I have time to do it, I believe, believe me, I'm going to do everything I can to do it. I just like where I am. Now there are parts I, you know, shortened there, but going back to the beginning, he says, I know it's my own ego, but I felt this was an organization that needed somebody to come in and lead it. And I felt like I could do that, that I could come in and lead this organization. You know, he's talked about culture, Tommy, since the very beginning. I believe his answer that he doesn't have regrets because I think even though it's gotten worse since he got here and many of it, much of it was unpredictable, like the pandemic. Um, I think he looked at this with his understanding of what it's been that it needed a big culture change, what it was historically. And he looked at it like, you know, here's the Charlie Brown tree. I can give it some love and caring, and I can be the person that turns this thing around. I think part of that is in play here. I believed him. What did you make of his answer? There's more to it I want to get to, but I want you to give your thoughts on what he said to Ben. Okay, stick with me here for a minute. Okay. Uh, he doesn't have any regrets. Isn't that a bit alarming to you about his intelligence level? <laughs> what? No. But, I mean, come but on. That's come funny. On, Kevin, a, a smart guy mm-hmm. would, have, would, would go home every night to his wife and say, what the F did we get ourselves into? A smart guy would say that. But can, let me interu- let me interrupt for one sec. Let me let me interrupt for one sec. Let me interrupt for one sec. I think if he were presented with this opportunity today versus say the Giants after the sexual harassment stuff, after the name change, after all of that, I don't know that he would take this gig. But I think he took the gig and he's sticking with the gig because he saw the opportunity to take something that used to be great that he remembers because he's a league lifer. And he understands how fucked up it is and how fucked up it's been. And that he, as a guy that has a ton of respect 
and a lot of discipline and understands how to fix things, he looked at this as, I can fix the Redskins or the Washington football team. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm sure when he looked at things and saw how fucked up they were, they weren't as fucked up then as they are now. Okay? And he hasn't even coached a play yet for this team. An intelligent person would have to have regrets. So I think, and I think he's a smart guy, so I think he's just telling a party line there, and I don't believe a word about that. I think if he could turn back the hands of time, he wouldn't be the coach of the Washington Redskins. The Washington football team. The Washington football team, right. excuse me. Okay, so you Please, said, st- you said stick with me. Is that all you got? That's, that's all I need. That's all I need. <laughs> I mean, how smart, I mean, if he's a smart guy, he's lying. Because nobody with any intelligence is going to sit there and say, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. This is great. This is just what I want. Pile it on. Pile more on me. I love it. You know what's interesting, and you're gonna you're gonna push back, I think, on this. I think most people spend a lot of time looking back and regretting and oh God, why did I make that decision? But I think there are certain people, and I think competitive professional athletes would fit into this group that don't look back a lot and just look forward. And he made the decision, and he made the decision for the reasons that I described. I think he saw this as an opportunity. And let me also say that I don't want to minimize what Mike Silver, remember, wrote um, in the in the day that he spent with him, the weekend before he took the Skins job, that he liked this roster. He didn't write it. He told me this on the air, Silver did, that he really liked the roster and saw an opportunity with good coaching on defense in particular to turn it around, especially given that they had the number two pick in the draft. I think also the conversations with Joe Gibbs were probably very helpful and influential. But I don't I, I believe him because I, I think that he is cut from that mold of what's done is done. Now it's about solutions. Now it's about, you know, moving forward and getting through this and 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 proving why I, I was the guy to be the guy here to finally be the person that fixes all this mess. I also think but it's that's not that's not regret. Kevin, that's not the issue. Regret I, is, again, turning back the clock. Yeah, I don't think say, people like him turn back the clock. But if you could. I think you and I do. Could, I don't think he does. Uh, look, I don't. I, I do not live my life with regret. But, but ignoring history is foolish and stupid when it comes to decision-making. And I, I, I'm sorry, but any intelligent person, if you could go back in time seeing what you've seen, you're not going to work. For yeah, this but but I, I I think you could make the case that because you think he is intelligent and therefore you think he's being disingenuous here and that he does have regrets. But if he were really that intelligent, based on the way you feel, he would have never taken the job in the first place. Well, look, I I mean there have been other guys who have taken because a lot of this is where it comes into play this athletic mindset that you're talking about this competitive mindset. There are guys out there who think, well, if I get my hands on it, I can change things. There are guys who are convinced of that no matter how bad a situation is because their, their ego demands it. They think, well, 
once I put my stamp on that organization, I can change it. You know, ignoring the aura of self-destruction that has engulfed this franchise for more than 20 years now. It's not very so smart, no though. Doubt. No, it's not. It's that, that's not very smart. That, that's, that's competitive ego. Mm-hmm. That is competitive ego getting in the way. I think a that... lot, you're right. A lot of athletes think like that, or else, or else they couldn't compete. If, if as an athlete, you couldn't put failure behind you or explain failure, your competitive juices would, would be drained from you. Of course, you, you, you can't live uh, in your failures. If you're a competitive athlete, in this case, you have to be able to explain them or forget about them or, or, or rationalize them. Uh, but this is not, that's not the same thing as intelligence. So, all right. I mean, uh, the, the the bottom line is, in reading through that answer, and I talked to Ben this morning, I had him on the show, and he said he was really passionate. You know, it was a Zoom um, interview that he did with him. Th- that I think they got the right guy. I don't know that it'll work. I would still bet against it, but that's because the you know number one risk factor is the owner. Um, and um, that's going to be the risk factor for this organization forever as long as Dan Snyder owns the team. Uh, But I do believe that he thinks he's the right guy for this situation and that, you know, what we do know about him, we do know this. We know he's very well respected among coaches and players in this league. I mean, the -the over-the-top compliments that he got from players who aren't even going to play for him you know here and his former players and other coaches around the league and my general feeling about him before they even hired him which is I always felt he was a very good coach maybe a bit underrated and I love the way his teams I thought overachieved you know over delivered you know on what they were um he and I also like that he doesn't seem to be coming in here naively. His eyes are wide open. He's said and talked about a culture change long before the name and the post story came out and long before COVID-19 started. This was something where he walked into understanding how effed up it is. So... He understood, and he's, how many times have we heard him talk about that military line, the three, four, five years, which, by the way, brings me to this, and that is the last you know, few lines of this answer to Ben Standing. What He says, um, again, the biggest thing I tell everybody is to understand about the culture, trying to build and develop a sustainable winning culture. I will do the best I can, and hopefully in three, four, or five years, because that's how long the military says it takes to change a culture. And then this line, Tommy, so if I have the time to do it, believe me, I am doing everything I can to do it. I just like where I am. I think that's another self-aware of I'm telling the owner here it's three, four, five years and that there's a major culture change. Give me the time to do it. I don't know if he will or not. I I, I actually believe a lot of what you've said about he better do something quickly. Like he better show improvement quickly. Because yeah. the lack of self-awareness, the hubris, the arrogance, all of that will then you know, you know, basically rear its ugly head again if he doesn't get results. But I like, that will be his I like best Ron path to, to success. I like him, too. 
I think the whole military culture thing is a bit overblown. Maybe, maybe. I, I hear sorry. you on that. I hear you on that. You know? I think I'm what he's I think what he's saying is it's going to take a long time. This culture is really effed up. Yeah, and I think I think like you brought up, and which I brought up a long time ago when he first got hired, he needs to have it's like a Joe Torrey George Steinbrenner situation, right. and Torrey got the upper hand on Steinbrenner early because he won right away and became an icon and the guy responsible for winning right away and became more powerful than the owner in that situation. That's, that'll go a long way to helping Ron Rivera if somehow he can win early. Uh, and he may be thinking that when he's looking at his three quarterbacks working out in, in training camp and saying, wow, I got a chance to win a lot more games with, the, with, with Alex Smith than I do with, with the kid who's barely played in the NFL. There would be no bigger indictment on Dwayne Haskins than Alex Smith on one leg winning the job. <laughs> um, one last thought on this, because he talks about culture and building and developing a sustainable winning culture. I've mentioned this many times before in the past, but it makes me um, happy and encouraged that I hear it from him as well. One winning season does not make a good franchise because the league is designed for every bad team and bad franchise and bad owner to have an occasional good season. The best franchises develop and sustain a winning culture over a long period of time. And that's always the goal, but it's never been attainable in the Dan Snyder era, and it may not this time. I would bet that it isn't, even though I really like Ron Rivera. And I'm really hopeful. The other the last thought on this is, you know what we still don't know anything about when it comes to Rivera in Washington is anything about his contract. I haven't seen anything reported on his contract. Have you? Not really. No. Isn't that strange? Yeah, it is. It is strange. It's very unusual. I mean, we, I don't even think we – I think we know that it's a five-year deal that he got, but we don't know anything about the money. You know, we've always suggested that if you're going to take a job in Washington, you have to get some level of of contractual authority to run the, foot, the football operation or, you know, to coach your team without interference. But we don't know anything about the money. I mean, you know – if we found out that it was a John Gruden kind of contract, we might feel differently about whether or not it's for the money or not. But yeah. anyway. Yeah, we might. Now, one last thing for me mm-hmm. about uh, you know Coach Rivera and uh, so far his reign as Redskins coach. One of the first jobs, one of the first things he did was hire Jack Del Rio as defensive coordinator. How's that turning out so far? Well, lunatic defensive coordinator. The crazy man on social media. I I didn't see this until you told me about it before the show. I didn't see it this morning. Go ahead and tell everybody what you're referring to. I mean, we know what happened a few weeks ago. He's made his politics very clear on Twitter. He's, um, you know, and by the way, uh, the First Amendment allows you that, um, even though it doesn't yeah. seem like it in days like uh, we've had here over the last couple of months. But 
um, or people seem to be uh, uh, trying to quell um, First Amendment free speech. But go ahead and tell everybody what he tweeted out last night or yesterday or whatever. Well, you had this doctor uh, that was posted on social media, some kind of voodoo doctor, who basically talked about the benefits of what's the drug? Hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine, and had used it on hundreds of her patients, you know, as a cure for uh, as a treatment, an effective treatment for COVID. And that's very disputed at this point. So much disputed that Twitter took the video down. Took it off, off, off of social media. Mm-hmm. And Zach Del Rio tweeted, if this video was taken down, then shame on those seeking to make a large profit rather than treat Americans. The doctor clearly explains the benefits of the drug and has used it on hundreds of her patients. Getting exposed, and you know it. <sighs> what is the defensive coordinator of the Washington Redskins doing this for? I don't know. But you didn't really. You know whether he believes You just, it or you just not. referred to her as a voodoo doctor. I mean, this is um, some woman from. Um, wh- where does she practice? Whatever she practices, I read something briefly about her essentially be- believing in alien DNA, demon sperm, um, and other crazy. Uh, you know. Uh, I guess, potions to make people better. I don't know enough about her. She's a doctor in Nigeria, or was it somewhere else? Was it Ghana? I don't know. Or where was it? Anyway. I don't know. Look, the bigger bigger issue here is that, you know, when you are, um, when you're new to a place and you have a diverse group of people that will be reporting to you um, and you're in a climate like the one that we're in right now, and you're an adult, um, I don't know why you're spending so much time on social media. I don't know why you're making your politics known on social media. I don't know why you continue to get duped by fake tweets on social media and seem to be completely unmoved by it. Let's, I mean, I'm not suggesting he can't multitask and that he doesn't have the right to express the way he believes. I firmly believe in that. I just don't think it's very bright. I mean, I, if, I understand he's, he's, a, he's a guy that's established. You know, he's not an up-and-comer, that he has some stature in the league as a former head coach and a successful defensive coordinator in mind in this league. I don't know. You get to a new place, especially when that new place is as toxic as this place, and you're trying to change a culture, and in just a few days, you're going to have a lot of young players who you know, have a lot of different beliefs in a, verily, in, a, in a very much volatile time politically. I just don't know why you'd go down this path. Where's the gain for you unless your goal here is not to be the best defensive coordinator and leader of a football team, but potentially to to have some sort of activist role in your life when you're done with football. I, I don't get it. I don't think it's very bright. Is that a conversation that the head coach should have with his defensive coordinator? I thought there would be a conversation the last time. 
You know, remember, his politics line up completely with the owners and maybe line up completely with Ron Rivera's. But Ron Rivera's, I don't know what his politics are. I would bet that he probably leans a little bit more conservatively. Um, But that's a total guess. But he's smart enough to understand what his constituency is which is yeah. a bunch of young players who have a lot of different beliefs, although in, in an NFL locker room, probably the majority are very much le- a liberal leaning. I mean, he talked about yesterday he's not going to kneel during the national anthem. He's going to kneel during the coin toss because he really believes in the military, but he's totally supportive of players who will kneel during the National Anthem and supportive of their First Amendment rights, which, by the way, Jack Del Rio, when he was a coach in Oakland, did come around, had to be convinced of uh, of it being something uh, that he would go a- along with, with his players kneeling during the National Anthem. Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought when he made those stupid comments um, and got duped by the AOC tweet and was liking tweets from... Um, you know, super conservatives, both black and white, on Twitter. I thought he might get a talking to then, but clearly he didn't. Or if he did, he oh, did, doesn't care. You know, not a good sign for uh, the new era of uh, the culture change of Ron Rivera. <laughs> well, again, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm. I don't have a problem with him. You know speaking his truth or what he believes in. I just think in his particular situation, new place, toxic situation to begin with, unbelievable climate that we're in right now as a country, as a world, that, you know, if he really was dialed in on football, that he'd just lay low and save all yeah, of this stuff only, for another time. The only the only thing on on his radar should be what's what's the best thing for the football team? Right. It's it's not this. I mean, you don't think that if things don't go well, that at some point somebody in that locker room isn't going to say, "Well, he's a Trump supporter. He's a racist." Yeah. Which, by the way, is the default for a lot of people um, when when the, when discussing people who either supported Trump in sixteen or going to support him in twenty twenty. You know, and this guy's made it very clear what his politics are, and they are going to be at odds with much of his locker room. I just don't know why you would do that and why in a new place, you know, without these people even knowing who you are and even having had one live conversation with you, if this is the first impression you would want them to have of you. It just doesn't seem very smart. Again, I'm not no. I'm not I don't have a problem with, you know, his beliefs or him wanting to speak out on his beliefs, I just don't think that the timing makes very much sense. But what do I know? That's just me. Um, what else? That's all I got, boss. That's all I got, too. We're done for the day. I'll be back tomorrow. I think I'll have a guest tomorrow. I'm not sure who it'll be. Um, I've got a couple of possibilities, and then Tommy will be back with me on Thursday. All right, have a good day.